Good morning, and welcome to the Presbyterian Church of the Covenant. My name is Reverend Jason Warren Griffiths, and uh, to all those that are at the drive-in, I'd love to say welcome, and glad you're here. All those listening on the podcast, I'd also like to say welcome, glad you're listening. This is for January 31st, the last, the last Sunday, the last day in January of 2021. Um, I got a couple announcements. Uh, uh, first of them, I would love to recognize that Philip and the worship band, Danny, and all the all the people involved with this this beautiful setup down here. They get here at like eight in the morning, maybe sometimes seven thirty and stuff. If anybody has any space heaters that they're not using, I promise. Is this thing on? Okay, my wife has just given me, I thought I was playing baseball. I was about to run the third. Uh, so, um, I don't remember what I was saying. Oh, space heaters. There you go. If you got any space heaters, we promise to return them in better condition than you lend them to, the, to us. But uh, as long as we're doing this drive-in service and it's freezing out here, well, freezing to, you know, California, you know, freezing. But we got we to gotta, we gotta make do, you know what I mean? So, it starts pretty cold around here bring in your space heaters that's the announcement could have taken way less time but it's good to be up here shout out to the children's and uh, youth ministries student ministries they they served me my favorite food this morning uh donuts i had a couple donuts and uh, i was just with some of the kids and it's a beautiful thing uh we all, it was, I was asking for prayer requests and they're the same as all of us that are around it. Just reminding me this morning that we're all children in God's family, amen? And uh, we need to take special care of the, the younger of us children. And uh, thank you so much for Rob and Carrie and uh, praise God for you guys often. And then uh, the other announcement that I got is a congregational meeting, unless it's, unless it's raining. If it's raining, We'll postpone it to February 14th, but next week, February 7th, it's on the docket. There'll be a drive-in congregational meeting, and uh, we'll get little cards. We can vote yes, yay, or nay on stuff, and then uh, it'll be kind of fun, right? I don't know, right? Are you, right? Are you excited? I'm kind of tired of this COVID thing. I'll just be honest with you right now. I love everybody here, and I love your faces, but I can't wait till we get to just walk in this building and flip a switch and get to go right anywho um so see you next sunday or if it's raining we'll see you next sunday regardless but then uh, if it's raining uh, we'll do the congregational meeting afterwards on valentine's day stand if you're able i'm gonna call us to worship using psalm 111 the psalmist writes shout hallelujah to yahweh for God's mighty miracles astound me. His wonders are so delightfully mysterious that they leave all who seek them astonished. Everything he does is full of splendor and beauty. Each miracle demonstrates his eternal perfection. His unforgettable works of surpassing wonder reveal his grace and his tender mercy. He satisfies all who love and trust him. And he keeps every promise he makes. 
But it's, let us sing to the Lord. Praise to the Lord, the Almighty. favorite Bible verses begins with, For God so loved the world. I was thinking about that verse and wondering just how great is God's love and how could we measure it? Sometimes we use a measuring cup to measure things, and if I were making some cookies, I would use a measuring cup to measure sh to make sure that I put in exactly the right amount of flour, sugar, and milk. I wonder if we might use a measuring cup to measure God's love. The Bible says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. My cup runneth over, from Psalm 23, verse 1 and 5. Well, if our cup runs over with God's love, I don't guess we could use a measuring cup to measure it. And if we were building something, we might use a tape measure to measure the length, width, and height of different things. I wonder if we might use a tape measure to measure God's love. The Bible tells us that God's love is higher than the heavens. This is from Psalm 108, verse 4. If God's love is higher than the heavens, I don't think we could use a tape measure to measure it, could we? 
We also use a watch to measure time. There will probably be some people here this morning who will use their watch or the clocks in their cars to measure how long Pastor Jason's sermon lasts. I wonder if we could use a watch to measure how long God's love will last. The Bible tells us that God's love is from everlasting to everlasting, Psalm 103:17. Wow, if God's love is from everlasting to everlasting, I don't guess we could measure it with a watch. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. How do we measure a love like that? We can't measure it. We don't need to, but we do need to experience it. My prayer for you today is that you may understand how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love really is. May you experience it, though it is so great you will never fully understand it. Ephesians 3, 18 through 19. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love a love so great that you gave your one and only son that we could have eternal life. Amen. At this time, all children and youth are dismissed to Sunday school. Scripture tells us when we pass through deep waters or go through times of fiery trial, the Lord our God is with us. With confidence in God, our Creator and Redeemer, let us confess our sin. Join me in the prayer. Merciful God, in your gracious presence, we confess our sin and the sin of this world. Although Christ is among us as our peace, we are a people divided against ourselves as we cling to the values of a broken world. The profit and pleasure we pursue lay waste the land and pollute the seas. The fears and jealousies that we harbor set neighbor against neighbor and nation against nation. We abuse your good gifts of imagination and freedom, of intellect and reason, and have turned them into bonds of oppression. Lord, have mercy on us. Heal and forgive us. Set us free to serve you in the world as agents of your reconciling love in Jesus Christ. Amen. Do not fear, says the Lord, for I have called you by name. You are mine. God is doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. By the grace of Jesus Christ, We are forgiven. Thanks be to God. Amen.
tasted and seen of the sweetest of loves where my heart becomes free and my shame is undone your presence Lord Holy Spirit you are welcome and fill the atmosphere your glory God is what our hearts long for to be overcome by your presence
shadow you won't light up Mountain you won't climb up Coming after me There's no wall you won't kick down Lie you won't tear down Coming after me There's no shadow you won't light up Mountain you won't climb up Coming after me no wall you won't kick down, lie you won't tear down, coming after me. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. Oh, it chases me down, fights till I'm found, leaves the ninety-nine, and I could turn it. I don't deserve it, still you may give yourself away. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God.
Thank you, men. And yeah, I think that's just men. Thank you. That was uh, amazing. But uh, every once in a while, I just. We need that, right? We need to be reminded that uh, how great our God is and how there's nothing He won't tear down coming after us. You know, like songs. um, Yeah, it's just. I gotta pray, God. I just uh, I pray that you would continue, continue to meet us as your people. Continue to teach us more about your Son. that we might be filled with the Holy Spirit and become more like Him in word and deed. And all God's people said, Amen. Goodness, I wasn't expecting that. I wasn't expecting to cry a little bit right before I preached, but uh, okay, We're, that's how this, this, is, uh, this is how it goes, I guess. So we're studying, uh, getting to know Jesus in 2021, and I'm sorry, my wife points out all the time, uh, my titles often presume stuff. I'm not, I don't mean to presume that you don't know Jesus. I was just, I mean to say we're getting to know Jesus more in 2021. You know, wherever you are at in your relationship, Jesus, our Lord, because he's why we gather, right? That's what it's all about, right? Amen? Amen. And so wherever you're at currently, I want us to move forward from there. Not back. God has given us victories and I think a lot of times we fall back into old patterns and don't presume or resume our walk with Jesus where we left off. Um, And last week, um, well, we were talking about Jesus the preacher And then last week we were talking about Jesus the healer. And from my, uh, I I got more responses about last week's sermon than I ever have. And I think there's something to that. There's something to, we need, we need some healing as God's people. Amen? And I think 
some Sundays we come together, we're marching, we get our marching orders. Some Sundays we come together and we get our, you know, our brothers and sisters, like unite message. And then some, some Sundays, and I think more often than not, especially during this pandemic, this is our hospital. This is where God comes and brings us together and knits us back together in our innermost parts. And he works on the, on the stuff that's not shown to everybody around. Um, and so this Sunday we're talking about, we're learning about Jesus the game changer. Because he, to- he totally changes the game. Amen? Thank God for that. Just another little sermonette, because I'm swimming in time, is as we were um, praying our confession. Do you know it's a, it's a unity prayer? We pray that together out loud. But outside, it's swallowed up. I, that was just like a, a word picture that I was that was just kind of lingering in my mind as we were worshiping that last segment is there's actually some pluses to this gathering outside and that's a one of them we get a window in look around look how big this place is i can scream at the top of my lungs and i'm a loud person and it gets swallowed up we confess our sins to a God that's bigger than this. And it says in his word, he takes it and removes it from us as far as the east is from the west. He ain't joking. He doesn't forgive, he doesn't, he forgets about it. He doesn't remember it anymore. Anyway, here's to the plane. All right, we're going we're gonna to read out of Mark. Everybody's still awake? Good. If anybody needs to stand up, feel free to do so. If you need to walk around, you know, make sure you put your mask back on. Just walk around the... Like some people learn they, they have to be doing something. And you can walk around the... You could, I, it'd be fun to see some people doing laps. You know, like you guys go over to the mall. You know, like you guys do the laps or whatever. But you can, anyway, that might get dangerous. Uh, we're in Mark. We're in chapter 3 now. We're, we're just kind of... We're going through and we're asking the question continually, what does this teach about Jesus? And like I've said before, Mark is the, f- is the first gospel to be written. Probably the source was Peter. And it's, it's none of the, the fuss, none of the must is Jesus. It's Jesus straight up. It's just, it, you just, you get, it's the shortest and you get the least amount of parables. You get the least amount of sermons. You just get Jesus. And it, I encourage you, like Nate Feldmuth encouraged me, a while ago when Malia was graduating from seminary. If you've got some free time and you want to reintroduce yourself to Jesus, the Christ, the one who this is all about, sit down and read Mark. Okay, I think that's it on the context. I think that's enough. We need to read some Bible, don't we? I think so. Let's do this. This is uh, Mark chapter 3. I'm going to start in verse 19b. I don't know why that it is, but that's the way it is. And then I end it in verse 30. Is that right? Yep. Here we go. Then he went home. And the crowd came together again. So they, 
could not even eat. When his family heard it, they went out to restrain him. For people were saying, he has gone out of his mind. And the scribes who came down from Jerusalem said, he has Beelzebub. And by the ruler of the demons, he casts out demons. And he called them, he called them to him and spoke to them in parables. How can Satan cast out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house is divided against itself, that house will not be able to stand. And if Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand. But his end has come. But no one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his property without first tying up the strong man. Then indeed, the house can be plundered. Truly I tell you, people will be forgiven for their sins and whatever blasphemes they utter. But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit can never have forgiveness, but is guilty of an eternal sin. For they have said, he has an unclean spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. There's a commentator out there that his name's Chad Myers, and he says this is the the fulcrum, the turning point of the Gospel of Mark. And if you ever want to read it, it's a pretty good commentary. It's called Binding, Binding the Strongman. But he, he says there's three major plots in the gospel of Mark. The first one, it's, it's a subplot. It involves Jesus' Jesus's attempt to create and consolidate a messianic community. The subject being, of course, his disciples. Does everybody follow that? One subplot is get together. We got to be a community. Not tomorrow, now. Yesterday. Second subplot is Jesus' ministry of healing, exorcism, and proclamation of liberation. The subject being the poor and the oppressed who are embodied in the crowd in the gospel. Everybody follow that? That's what I was preaching last week. Come to me. This is Jesus speaking. And be healed. Hand in your rags, I'll give you some riches. And then the third, and this is where, uh, I'll, I'll say that in a second, but Jesus' confrontation with the dominant socio-symbolic order, the subject being the stewards of the order, the scribes, Pharisees, Herodians, and ruling Jerusalem clergy. And this is the, the subplot that we're talking about this morning. And this is, in Chad's view, the first direct action campaign. That's what he labels this section of Scripture. Does everybody follow that? Jesus the revolutionary. Jesus the anti 
religion, the pro-relationship. Jesus the, against the people that have all the answers and the know-it-alls. And I, I want to confess, sometimes I'm in that category. Are you in that category? Good. Thank you very much, Bob. You win a Miata. But it also makes me feel not alone. Good job. Um, that first section, the first couple of verses, 19, 20. The people, uh, Jesus has been healing, right? Jesus has been healing and he's been doing amazing stuff, proclaiming that he's, he's the way and setting people free from stuff they've been trapped to. And then he goes home. And it's so crowded that people can't even eat. And then you find out that there's, there's, there's this growing voice. And they really do not like Jesus. They dislike the Son of God. So much so that they think, is this dude a crazy person? Or is he Satan-possessed? Is he demonic? Why do you think they're like that? I think there's a couple reasons. Jim Clark, he's been writing a poem for every sermon I've been doing. And he's a part of uh, Daytimers. And in his, uh, the healer, the healer poem, he mentions that Jesus is uneducated. You know, he didn't go to USC or UCLA. He didn't go to the, he didn't go to the universities. And that makes a lot of people inter, a, angry. N.T. Wright says this, Jesus isn't accredited. He must therefore be sidelined. Why else are they angry? I kind of wish we were in a congregation. You know, like I kind of wish we were inside because people could raise their hand and Danny could shout out something crazy and then somebody, you know, like somebody would throw something outside in the mix. Why? Why else? It's because they're the religious. They're the ones who got it together. They're the holy ones. They're the churchgoers. If God's going to do something, they're going to do something through them. In comes Jesus from off, the, off, off stage and he walks in, he starts healing people, he starts feeding people, he starts d doing things that are blowing people's minds and everybody's like gathering to, and they're feeling like, oh man, I'm, this is, he must be of Satan. I don't, I don't understand it, I'm godly, I'm seeing this guy, he's doing amazing things, he must be of Satan. That comes up later. Because that's really what triggers. That's what really, that's what Jesus is coming down at the end of this text with a hammer on. The next section. So, is Jesus a, a lunatic, a liar, or a lord? That's how C.S. Lewis put it. Everybody heard that? And this is where that, this is where C.S. Lewis comes up with that. What does this teach us about Jesus? Just the fact that people are getting angry and he's riling them up. What does it teach us? I think it teaches us he's dangerous. Right? Anybody read Narnia? 
Remember Aslan? Is he safe? No, absolutely not. He's a lion. But he's good. I think it was Elizabeth Elliot that said, the church has declawed the lion of Judah. We forget about how dangerous and how controversial following him is. And then Jesus says some truth. Some things are true no matter what, like what you think. You know what I mean? There's just truth with a capital T. When you have children, you don't sleep anymore. Capital T, right? Anybody who's had a kid, you don't sleep again. There, you never sleep the way you did before you had children. Amen? Even when you're asleep, you're not really asleep because that kid's somewhere and you're responsible for that kid. Here's something true. A divided house cannot stand. His rebuttal is, that's the silliest thing I've ever heard. Why would Satan take away Satan? <laughs> like, that's just straight up dumb. Right? But he shows it in the in P.S., Anybody know anything about this country? Anybody know who the 15th president was? Anybody heard a house divided cannot stand before? A guy named Abraham Lincoln. It was before he was president, but he gave this, this speech as a senator. Everybody wave at the plane. I wonder where that guy's going. That's nice. But he was talking about the Civil War. He was talking about, and I'll read a little of his quote. He says this, Of a house divided against itself cannot stand. He directly quotes that. I believe this government cannot endure permanently, half slave and half free. I do not expect the union... Okay. i got to find this third page here Pause, pause. To be dissolved. I do not expect the house to fall, but I do expect it will cease to be divided. It will become all one thing or all the other thing. Isn't that a word that needs to be said to our country right now? I don't have power over the country. I do have power over you. I'm your pastor. Unite. A divided house cannot stand. We can't do anything if we're fighting each other. We can't do anything if we stand against one another. We're irrelevant. Jesus says, if you guys aren't united as one body, the world will not know that I'm for real. That's our apologetic. That's our argument for Jesus in this world is how we love one another. What does this teach us about Jesus?
He's the wisest human being ever. Anybody ever read The Jesus I Never Knew? Highly recommend it. Yancey wrote it. It'll save you a couple hundred bucks in a seminary class about Jesus. Because you read that book and it's a really good book about Jesus the Christ. And one of the things that he realizes is he's wiser than Solomon. Jesus is fully God. Wrapped in flesh. Making him the wisest human being ever. He states truth, period. All the stuff he says is stuff that's true whether you believe it or not. And then you get to strongman parable. Myers writes this, it is, Jesu- is Jesus' declaration of ideological war with the scribal est- establishment. Having laid his opponents bare, Jesus then drops his semantic jousting and spins a thinly veiled political parable in which he likens to the mission, likens the mission on which he's on to criminal breaking and entering. The game change. What does this teach us about Jesus? Books can't contain what this teaches us about Jesus. There's so much. I feel like John, the apostle. There's so much that this, this little section teaches us about Jesus. It teaches us he goes against the grain. It teaches us that the game is forever changed. It teaches us he's a maverick. I happen to know, uh, I, I, when I was doing worship, uh, when I was serving in San Antonio, do you know where the term maverick was coined? Texas. Right outside San Antonio, Texas. And you know uh, why it was a maverick? It was cattle that was unbranded. Maverick was a guy's name. And he was the great, great, great grandfather of my buddy in San Antonio, to, uh, Texas, Lewis Maverick McNeil. And so you would know, you got, have you been to Texas? Anybody been to Texas? Anybody been to West Texas? It's a different ball game. And South and West Texas, it's just cows. There's, there's just so many of those longhorns. There's so many cows, you can't even count how many cows there are. But they didn't have fences, and they would all roam together. And you would know this family has this brand, this family has this brand, and then all of a sudden you'd see one without a brand, and that guy would be, oh, man, that's Maverick cattle again. Jesus is a maverick. He's going straight against the flow. Everybody's saying that's up. No, no, this is up. Serving is up. Loving. Losing is actually winning when I'm the king. We changed the game in that we made the game. I'm bigger than the game. It also reminds us, if we're going to follow, we have to be united. We have to be. He doubles down in that truth. Because as we're... Notice, who's the strong man? The devil. The devil is the strong man in this parable. And in order for... Jesus and his kingdom and his kingdom people to to reign, we got to first attack and see who the real battle's against. 
Stop fighting each other and fight the one that's unseen. Tie him up. That goes to the next thing. This bleeds into don't mess with Jesus. <laughs> like if, if you go against him, it's not a good idea. Because who's stronger than the strong man? The guy who binds up the strong man. Jesus walks in and says, hey, shut up and sit down. I'm in control of this place. And then he moves into that last section. And that's a direct warning. Remember those verses? I'll read them again. Truly I tell you, people will be forgiven of, for their sins and whatever blasphemes they utter, but whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit can never have forgiveness, but is guilty of an eternal sin, for they have said he has an unclean spirit. If you call what Jesus is doing unclean, if you call what Jesus is doing of the Satan, if you miss the truth that Jesus is God wrapped in flesh and the bringer of the Holy Spirit, if you miss that, you, you are in a bad position. I want to read some quotes. First NT, once you label what is in fact the work of the Holy Spirit as the work of the, of the devil, there's no way back. If you decide firmly that the doctor, he said, he likens to this. If you decide firmly that the doctor who is offering to perform a life-saving operation on you is in fact a sadistic murderer, you will never give your consent to the operation. Myers puts it this way. We, oh, and this is Garland. We need to learn that rejecting Jesus out of ignorance is one thing. But attacking the power which he works is, works is something far more serious. What does this teach us about Jesus? There's no middle road. C.S. Lewis put it, you have to decide. He's either a lunatic, a liar, or he's Lord. And if he's Lord, there's no such thing as no Lord. You can't say no if he's the Lord. Miyagi, Mr. Miyagi puts it in Karate Kid. There is do or try or what is it? Do, I always mix them up with Yoda. Because I think because Yoda says do or not do. I think that's, which one's which? Does anybody remember? There is no try. And then he goes, uh, yes, there is yes, or there's no. If you say, guess so, like grape. Do you remember that? I love that movie. Anyway, I, I think I've quoted that in the last couple of weeks, but it's because I watched it with my kids. But I really dig that truth because there is no middle road. Applications. Let me, today... Let me introduce you once again to Jesus, the, the game changer. He's stronger than the powers of this world. If you follow him, so are you through the Holy Spirit. He's calling us to unite. 
He's calling us to unite and be a part of his healing and redemptive work in the world. And then he's the game changer. And he actually invites us to be a part of the changing of the game. He's bound up the strong man. If he's the Lord of our lives, we can walk through walls. We can, we can bust down those invisible barriers and have victory in every corner of his universe. And I'd say the last but not least application of this is as we continue to study Jesus, I don't know about you, but there's this magnetic pull. And I invite you and I and the people listening at home on the podcast. I've all... We have these little moments every single day where we choose. We choose to either drift further from our Lord Jesus or grow closer to him. Make him, invite him to be more Lord. Invite him to be the Lord of even that part of your life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, precious Lord Jesus, powerful spirit. I pray that you would unite us I pray that you would embolden us. I pray that you would equip us to be faithful servants of you and you alone. And all God's people said, Amen. Now it's part of the service where God invites us to get involved in the game-changing, not only with our actions, our words, and our deeds, but with our resources, with our monetary resources. If you're at home listening on the podcast, please mail your tithes and offerings to Presbyterian Church of the Covenant, P.O. Box 2128, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And if you're here at the drive-in, make sure at the, on the way out you leave your offerings or your tithes in one of the, one of the baskets. But this morning's offerings and tithes are now received. The sun cannot compare to the glory of your love. There is no shadow in your presence. No mortal man would dare to stand before your throne, before the Holy One of Heaven. And it's only by your blood, and it's only through your mercy, Lord, I come. I bring an offering of worship to my King. No one on earth deserves the praises that I sing. Jesus.
Jesus, may you receive the honor that you're due. Oh, Lord, I bring an offering to you. I bring an offering to you. The sun cannot compare the glory of your love there is no shadow in your presence no mortal man would dare to stand before your throne before the holy one of heaven and it's only by your blood and it's only through Lord, I come. I bring an offering of worship to my King. No one on earth deserves the praises that I sing. Jesus, may you receive the honor that you're due. Oh, Lord, I bring an offering. I bring an offering of worship to my King. No one on earth deserves the praises that I sing. Jesus, may you receive the honor that you're due. Oh Lord, I bring an offering to you. Lord, I bring an offering to you. Oh, Lord, I bring an offering to you. I bring an offering to you. In Ephesians, Paul calls us to live a life worthy of the calling each one of us has received. To be completely humble and gentle. To be patient, bearing with one another in love. And to make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Together, let us go before the God who unifies us through our Lord Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Holy and gracious God, we humbly come before you in prayer this morning on behalf of a world in desperate need of you. In this critical time in our nation, we pray for unity. Convict us, O Lord, of our part in the disunity we are experiencing and show us a new path. Make each one of us instruments of your peace where there is hatred, let us sow love. Where there is injury, let us grant pardon. Where there is doubt, let us demonstrate faith. Where there is despair, let us be your hope on earth. 
By your grace, we relinquish anything that continues to divide us and acknowledge that the only thing that has power to unite us together is you, Lord Jesus. Merciful Lord, we pray for our local church, for Christian churches in our country, and for your church universal around the world. May we unify under the Lordship of Jesus Christ and pray together for peace as one spiritual family. Show us how to forgive as you do so our relationships may be healed and whole. May your church continue to seek reconciliations and reparations where needed. Father, we pray for your protection and provision for those impacted in Northern California from the fierce storm this week and for all those in the path of the storm as it moves east. We continue to pray for the coronavirus to be extinguished, for the emerging virus strains not to get a foothold, and for a quickening of vaccine production and distribution. May your mercy and grace wash over the tireless healthcare workers taking care of those who are gravely ill. We are fatigued by the ongoing pan pandemic. Continue to give us wisdom, to mask and to social distance, to keep each one of us and our neighbors out of harm's way. For those in our midst, Lord, we pray that you would make a way for all desiring to get the vaccine. We pray for the efficacy of the vaccine and for negligent side effects. We pray for friendship and love for those who are lonely and shut in. We pray for health and wholeness for those experiencing illness. Specifically, we pray for Phil Hughes, who is in the hospital awaiting a procedure today. Give wisdom to the doctors and nurses and a speedy recovery for Phil. May he feel your presence with him and comfort from our prayers. We pray for your sustenance and provision for those experiencing financial burdens. Unite each one of us together under your gospel and use us to further your peace and unity in our families, in our church, in our communities, in our country, and in the world. We lift to you all these prayers and the prayers in our hearts in the mighty and merciful name of our Savior Jesus Christ, who taught his disciples to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Once again, love you guys are crazy. I'm so glad I'm, uh, you guys came out. I thank you for listening on the podcast at home. Uh, if you're at home and you have a space heater you could spare, drop it by the church sometime during the week. It's open uh, 9 to noon, Monday through Thursday. And then if you're here and you got a spare heater, drop it off at the church sometime during the week. And 
I'll see you next week at the uh, congregational meeting, unless it's pouring, and then we'll do it the f- February 14th. But please stand and receive this morning's benediction. Now to God who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the proclamation of Jesus the Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages, but is now disclosed and through the prophetic writings is made known to all the Gentiles, according to the command of the eternal God, to bring about the obedience of faith to the only wise God through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. And all God's people said, Amen.